0: What's up everyone, Tara Roberts here, and welcome to Dear Miss Fantasy for week four. We are the official mailbag show of Player Profiler, and uh, (laughs) we got questions this week. We got lots of questions because what a week. What a week in fantasy football. It's always wild when you have a guy score a big 40 plus point fantasy performance, but we had four in this week. Two from the same team in the same position Devin A. Jane, Keenan Allen Raheem Mostert and Devontae Adams I I kid you not in one league I played against Raheem Mostert and Keenan Allen and that team also had Devin A. Jane on the bench Yeah yeah I should co- should correct myself it's apparently HN Devon HN sorry that's going to take me like the entire season to correct and say right but I'll get there um, and for that team that just beat the living day out of the daylight out of me, um, shout out to John Lobb for absolutely destroying me by 50 points this week. Yeah. That was a humbling experience. We've been rocking and rolling this fantasy season. Um, I've been riding high on several teams with Tyreek and <laughs> that one took me out in a way that I was not prepared for. So, you know, if you're watching on the podcast go to the youtube and comment let me know if you got uh, like Wap by literally <laughs> the same combination or maybe it was keenan allen and uh devonte adams or something crazy i don't know just you know just let me know let me know cuz i know i'm not alone i've read the comments everywhere and it, you're in pain if you were one of those teams that just got double 40 point hit there was no way that you could even like you didn't have you didn't have a chance I don't know what's worse. Is it worse like losing by one point and feeling like, okay, man, if I had digested something, I could have had this. Or losing by like 50 to like 90 points and being like, there's no theoretical way I could have overcome this. And I just got beat. Like I stole something. I don't know. I don't know. Just let me know. Let me know the pain. So yeah. (laughs) If you were, if you were thumped and destroyed, by one of those big performers this week. My condolences. I feel your pain. Um, Also, speaking of thumped and destroyed, um, just in spirit, um, my obligatory Clemson plug for the brand, of course. I am reeling from my Tigers absolutely blowing the Florida State game. We won't dive into that because why would we? (laughs) I'm not going to exacerbate the pain anymore. So, yeah let's let's dive into the show but first of all, can we take a moment to appreciate the thumbnail for the show on YouTube if you're again if you're listening on the podcast head over to the player profile YouTube channel that is where you will find this show in YouTube form and take a look at the thumbnail because whoever did it just like literally outdid themselves this week I you know how like you'll when you laugh at something, you'll like be like, LOL in your head. You know, you'll chuckle a little bit. No, this one made me cackle. When I saw Justin Fields' face <laughs> and the bear emoji, <laughs> it, was, it was perfection. Oh, man. All right. We're going to go over some hot topics, injuries, and then mailbag questions. It's going to be a fantastic show because we've got some good ones. Actually, you know what? We're actually going to start off with a mailbag question. We're going to do things a little bit different today. We're going to start off with a mailbag question because it's my main topic of the week. So uh yeah, from B Foxworth 07, what is our panic level on Justin Fields? If we are benching him, who would you pick up? Love, Shroud, Purdy and Deshaun all available. All right. So this is this is a big question. It's a lot it's a question that a lot of fantasy managers are having to face. So Let's get this out of the way. Yes, you should have to start Justin Fields this week. You have to. It would be criminal to bail out now. We've been doing it. We can't bail out now when he's facing Denver, right? (laughs) That (laughs) you have to start him against Denver. But even beyond that, we'll get into the matchup in a second. Looking at the upcoming schedule for the Chicago Bears. Washington is the only issue here. Now, granted, the Bears are massively struggling. It's, you know, even playing against an an amazing matchup might not yield fantastic results, but considering what we've seen from Denver, you have to. But looking at the rest of the schedule, again, outside of Washington, Minnesota, Las Vegas, LA Chargers. I mean, we can't bail out right now. You can't sell low right now because theoretically, we're going to hit a good spot here in the schedule. But that said, I would stash another quarterback. So yes, I would pick someone up. I wouldn't binge him this week, but just in case, for some reason, he comes out and gives us 14 fantasy points against Denver. That's our sign that (laughs) it's, it's a wrap for the season. We have to move on, but... We're starting him this week, and you need to pick up somebody right now, just in case. And at the very least, for streaming purposes. And, you know, of that list that you gave, um, people are are not going to like who I'm going to choose. And it's not a homer pick, because I am a Packers fan. But it is, it's Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I know. People are very skeptical of the production for Jordan Love. But kind of looking at that list, you know... Brock Purdy and I'll actually I'll talk about him later because we've got a mailbag question again on that but Brock Purdy <sighs> the floor is fantastic right he's solid but there's not a massive amount of upside he's a fine streaming option but he's not somebody that I want to roll out on a weekly basis because QB 12 13 is kind of his max right then Deshaun Watson um Good sign that he did come out and ball out aside from one horribly embarrassing, (laughs) shameworthy Um, pass backwards. Not really sure what was going on there. Kind of reminded me, like in high school, you know, you have that like panic in high school, you're playing basketball, right? And you come off the bench. I'm not saying I did this a lot. I'm not saying this was common for me. I won't admit to that either way but let's say you come off the bench and you're thrown in there randomly and you're not a starter. You barely play and you get the ball and you panic um, and you start dribbling the wrong way and you score on the wrong basket. That was what that play was akin to, but you're a professional football player. That was bad, (laughs) but it, it was good to see Deshaun come out and, at least do what he should have done against that Tennessee pass defense. That's the barometer right there. And that's kind of of what we're looking at with Justin Fields. Like if you have a top tier matchup, I need you to come out here and at least put up a top tier performance in that matchup. And if you can't, then we know we've got big issues. If you can, then we know, okay, you, um, you're not elite right now. You're going to struggle in bad matchups. But at the very least, when you're in an excellent matchup, I can plug you in and feel confident. Sometimes that's all you need. When we're looking at streaming options and playing matchups and whatnot, we just, you know, we need to feel confident that we can roll you out in certain situations. So we need to feel that from Justin Fields. And at least we feel that from Deshaun Watson. CJ Stroud, I do absolutely love. I love what I'm seeing from him. Um, and he's delivering on exactly what he promised, right? He, you know, two Ohio State quarterbacks in extremely opposite directions. Stroud's claim to fame right was that the accuracy the precision right the high football IQ not that Justin fields doesn't have that but just the, the you know pocket passer all of those things that just came so easy to him and he's delivering on that he's delivering on that perfectly um in a bad offense so good good for Cj Stroud you know Uh, He honestly would kind of be the second option on that list. If it's between Love and Stroud for me, because I'm not going to ignore a rookie putting on granted. He's had favorable matchups, but he plays in a division with quite a few favorable matchups. So this will happen over and over and over again. Houston is actually the only bad passing matchup. So they don't, he doesn't have to face himself. So he's got a (laughs) nice little list of good matchups. So yeah, Stroud would be the one behind it. But with Jordan Love, you got to appreciate the numbers that he's putting up. And I, know, and I understand that people look at it and feel like it's not repeatable. But keep bear in mind, this is what he's doing, you know, week one aside. He's done this for the past two weeks without Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a benefit to the offense, it flows better with Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is not that dude. Um, and Jordan Love is putting up top numbers. It's impressive the weapons are strong. He's able to spread the ball around and trust multiple receivers. He doesn't even have Christian Watson in there yet. This could continue all season long. And while I don't know if he'll continue to play at a top 5 level QB1, is certainly well within the realm of what he can be. So, yeah, I'll take, you know, the potential, you know, low end QB1 from Jordan Love and stream that with Justin Fields. I like it. But yeah, you know, getting back to Justin Fields, <laughs> so we can dive into what the issue is here with him. I am going to give him one excuse before I criticize him here. Kansas City is not a good defense. It's not a good defense. You will see the over-under for a Kansas City game, and you will get excited. um, But you shouldn't. Because those points will be scored by Kansas City. Those are not the opposing team's points. Those are Kansas City's points. Kansas City's defense is is good. It's not a good matchup. So uh, Justin Fields didn't really come, expect him to come out here thriving. So I'll give him that excuse, you know. I'll give him that excuse for this week. But (laughs) 11 for 22, 99 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. That's kind of not excusable. You got to do a little bit better than that, unfortunately, man. It's a problem. Um, If not for that one touchdown, we're looking at seven fantasy points from DJ Moore. The running backs combined for 10 fantasy points. The problem isn't just Justin Fields. The problem is despite the trade for DJ Moore, despite the Investments that they made, free agency ads, draft picks, despite all of that, this team doesn't look like a team that made any progress from last year. They seem like the same exact team with a slightly shinier toy that Justin Fields can't really utilize. Um, Yeah. So it seems like Fields is just kind of on the same track that he was last year, which is good and bad. He struggled early on last year while he was trying to get his feel, right? The, it was a, (sighs) ceiling wasn't super high, floor was kind of like, eh. Then he kind of hit a stride as things started to, you know, he started to get a little bit used to what he was doing. Then he put up some slightly better numbers. Then he had those two mid-season-ish massive performances, the 40-plus point games, And then after that, he kind of, you know, he he dipped down into a nice nice top 10 low-end QB1 level. Like, I think it was maybe averaging 19 fantasy points per game after those two boom games, if I recall. Which is fine. It's not what you drafted him as. That's the problem, is that I don't think he's going to live up to us drafting him as QB6. Was around what his ADP was right after Burrow. Unfortunately, it looks like maybe he's just going to repeat that same pattern of last year. And that's a problem for him overall, really. It is a big, big problem for him overall when you're looking at where he is heading. Now, from redraft, we don't have to bail out again because the better games are coming. Things will improve. And he does have that rushing upside. But from a dynasty perspective, this is highly concerning. When those big boom games come against those bad defenses, when he faces Denver and Minnesota, you need to you need to think about selling. <laughs> this team feels destined for a high draft pick, and they've already got one in Carolina, really. So because they've got Carolina's first overall pick, so this is yeah, this is this is concerning. Justin Fields might not be long for this specific team. Maybe he can be. Fixed somewhere else with a quarterback that, or with a coach that knows how to, how to coach a quarterback like him, like how to coach up his passing skills. Cause they existed at Ohio state when he was surrounded by ample talent. So that it's there, you can make it happen. You just gotta, you just gotta be able to tweak it and make it right for him. So I don't know if that's going to be this season, unfortunately. So yes, we're we're starting him in this bad matchup. We're starting him in a few more matchups. And you're getting a streaming option because this is a problem. Um, before I dive into the game again, well, no, we'll go ahead and dive into the game. Uh, Denver versus Chicago real quick. Because <laughs> I feel like I've spent a lot of time on this subject. But it's a big main topic because it's a big concern for everyone. It's a big concern that we're getting such poor production. I mean, you can point, you can look at Joe Burrow and you can say we're getting poor production from a guy we drafted at QB5, but you can put an excuse to it, right? You can say, okay, there's the issue of the injury. He's struggling to play through it. There's, you know, that problem going on. Excuse my voice. You can put an excuse to it and say that there will be a bounce back at some point. But you can't really put a logical excuse to Justin Fields is the problem. So diving into this Denver Chicago game, this will either be a fantasy bonanza between two bad teams that can't stop each other, or this will be a complete disaster. It's not going to fall in between. It's going to be one or the other. Um, The Denver defense is special in the wrong kind of way. (laughs) It started off, so week one, it started off okay, but the telltale signs were there, right? They were playing Vegas. Jimmy G had a fairly efficient game. Um, I think he was like 20 of 26. Don't quote me on that. I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like that. He had two touchdowns. He looked all right. They beat Denver. And then week two, Sam Howell went off on them. 299 yards, two touchdowns. And not just Sam Howell, right? Right. Brian Robinson too. Brian Robinson had 18 carries for 87 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 42 yards, and he was the overall RB1 that week. So this, this performance from the Miami Dolphins is not shocking. I mean, it's shocking, right? Because no no NFL team should ever be lit up that way. That's embarrassing. But they already gave up one RB1 game to Brian Robinson in what is technically not a really good, it's, it's okay. Hey, it's improved. There, I've seen the improvements in the Washington offense, but it's still, it's still the Washington offense with a first-year quarterback who is going through some ups and downs and struggles. We just saw him against Buffalo, 170 yards, four interceptions, right? Comparatively, how bad is that Denver defense if they let a man that just got intercepted four times have a fantastic game against them? It's bad. So kind of flipping on the other side, Chicago defensively has struggled as well. So when we're looking at these players, you know, again, we're rolling out Justin Fields. We have to. And DJ Moore, we have to. We have to, given the matchup. And while we don't feel confident in Khalil Herbert or Rashawn Johnson right now, you got to view them as flex options, given the way that this defense has been absolutely lit up. For Denver, the receivers are all flex options. They're all usable. Um, The backfield, though. (laughs) Sean McVay's choices with this backfield are just awful. Um, Inexplicably bad. Javante is getting the bulk-ish of the workload. He looks okay. P. Ryan's role has been reducing... um, week over week, but somehow that's not actually increasing the role for Javante. I don't know how that math works. We're reducing Pirine, but we're not increasing Javante. And for some reason, he keeps putting Jaleel McLaughlin in at the goal line. I don't know. Um, Not to defend Nathaniel Hackett in any way, (laughs) because I would never. Um, But Sean, Sean, uh, (laughs) you've got a lot of explaining to do. Because Nathaniel Hackett never let anyone score 70 points on them. So <laughs> is a problem. You got some explaining to do, man. Oh, and we'll, we'll move on to happier notes. But before we do that. We'll hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game gonna get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight that's how you 100x your payout on sleeper it's called the hail mary so if you use promo code underworld you get a 100 instant deposit match check out sleepers terms and conditions for details these sleeper picks are live in over 25 states yeah buddy we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember, hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senua Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, Devin, back into we'll only do one more hot topic because I think I spent like way too long talking about Chicago, but it is the hottest topic that we have. Um, And we'll talk quickly about a more pleasant topic. So going away from Denver, let's talk about the team that just beat the absolute. I don't know. I don't know if I've established if I cuss on this podcast yet, but just beat the hell out of them in a wild way. Devon HN. I said it right this time. 18 carries, 203 yards, two rushing touchdowns, four receptions, 30 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, 13 carries, 82 yards, three rushing touchdowns, seven receptions, 70 yards, one receiving touchdown, Tua, four touchdowns. He, he only threw 23 passes. I'm not super good at math anymore. I was in school, but it's been, it's been a long time uh, since I took a math class. But uh, I think that read is like <sighs> kind of good four touchdowns, 23 passes. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Tyreek Hill nine receptions, 11 targets, 157 yards, one touchdown. <sighs> this is not a uh, <sighs> the Miami offense, man. I mean, it just feels like you're if you if you stacked Tua with Tyreek. And maybe, maybe we'll get the Jalen Waddle effect when he comes back from the concussion. But I mean, just, oh, unreal, unreal. I have some best ball teams where I invested in Raheem Mostert, and I didn't think that much would amount. I didn't think this much would amount to it. Absolutely insane. Now, this is not a waiver wire show or fab talk, because by the time you hear this, on YouTube or on the podcast, your waiver wires will have passed, so that will not be relevant. But um, let's talk real quick about if we are trusting Achan. Uh, we are, we are, because here's the thing: even if so, Raheem Mostert, this is not a, this is not a takeover, right? Raheem Mostert is still the RB one of that offense, because it's not like. HN came out and had a incredible game and just outperformed. It's not. A, this is not a like an exacerbated version of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, right? Where it's like, oh, he's so much better. He's gonna take over. He's gonna take the no, no, not the case. Where he Mostert obviously looked amazing, but what this is is that Mostert has been getting the vast majority of the carries because he has been the only healthy back. Jeff Wilson. IR, Savon Ahmed got that groin injury when he, you know, started to contribute a little bit, was looking good, was looking good. And then A-Chain started off with a injury as well. So really, he's been operating as the main lead only back, but we know that this team wants to operate in a committee, right? We know that that's the offense that Mike McDaniel wants to run. But here's the thing. Given the context of this offense, this is not a this is not a committee in Denver. This is not a committee in Chicago where we're looking at it and we're like, ugh, we're lucky if we get to ten fantasy points, and we're probably not going to from one of the backs, even the lead back. This is different. This is this is an offense that is unreal right now. Provided you know health, cross, cross our fingers health wise, it is unreal. They're a juggernaut. Absolute juggernaut. So even if this committee is a 60-40 split in favor of Raheem Mostert, the 40% snap count being in Devin HN, I'm still okay with that. I mean, we're talking about, because here's the thing about, like, we have a good reference point of Miami playing against Denver, or uh, Miami playing against New England. Tough defense, right? That's not a good defensive matchup. And it was not a good game. Um, specifically from you know, Tua got like hmm, 12-ish fantasy points. It was not a fantastic performance from him because you no know, knock to Tua. New England is a strong defensive matchup. But even in a strong defensive matchup, Raheem Mostert still had 25 fantasy points because. No one is going to look at this Miami team and say, we got to stop the run, make Tua beat us. They're not saying that. They got to stop Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle first. You got to stop that first. So the run game benefits, even in these bad matchups, because they're not the primary stopping point. No one is trying to attack the run. They're not trying to stack the box. They're not trying to focus on that. So given the context of this offense, how defenses want to attack it, I still think that you know, even in a committee, Raheem Mostert still has RB1 upside, and Devin A chain still has RB2 upside. He'll be a strong weekly flex option. Now, granted, they're not facing again, they're not facing Denver every single week, but even in these bad matchups, we'll still have good performances from the run game. So, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a good situation. We are we are trusting. And I don't believe, I know some people are worried about Jeff Wilson coming off IR. Worrying about Jeff Wilson coming off IR is kind of akin to worrying about Dalvin Cook limiting um, Brees Hall. And that almost feels like an insult to Dalvin Cook, really, comparatively to Jeff Wilson. I don't, I don't believe, I mean, even when we're looking at this offense, Raheem Wostert is the better back than Jeff Wilson. And, Devin HN is the better back than Jeff Wilson. I, I just, I just, I, I'll say it. I don't I don't believe he will come off IR and reduce the workload for either of these two backs. It's working. Why would they throw in and just, it just, it? I don't see it happening. He could come in and be productive and contribute, but I do not see him coming in and them saying, okay, we got to bench HN. We just got to make sure that Jeff Wilson is rolling and he's going to be our RB1. That's not... No. So we're, we're, we're rolling. We're moving forward. Um, by the way, guys, the player profiler all-in package, you got to go get it. It's been lowered to $85 through the end of October. And the all-in package, get subscribers, access to all of our player rankings, Dynasty rankings, DFS, Dominator, Data Analysis. I mean, they will get the world famous draft kit when it drops in the off season. So all this football that we're talking about, you know, you listen to the podcast, you get the information, but getting the all in package too, is going to help you make all of those decisions in terms of what you're doing with Justin fields. How are you approaching your start sets? Cause you're getting the rankings. How? Are, what are we, what are we doing in terms of this, those high value players, those, those high upside players in DFS. So this is something that you got to get. Fantasy football and data is fun. So take advantage of the lower rate at $85 through the end of October. Now, heading over to some big injury news. We'll cover that uh real quick over here because luckily, well, I won't say luckily. We'll start off with the big one. Um yeah, let's start off with the wide receivers and we'll start off with the big one. Mike Williams, another every single week it's an ACL. Somewhere it's an ACL. It's just, ugh, it's depressing. Mike Williams done for the year ACL. So we got to talk about Josh Palmer versus Quentin Johnston. And oddly enough, you know, I mean, it's not oddly enough because people get rookie fever and whatnot, but Quinton Johnston is the higher roster player between him and Josh Palmer, despite the fact that Josh Palmer is the one that is playing above him, right? Josh Palmer is the wide receiver has been the wide receiver 3 in this offense. Quentin Johnson is the one that hasn't been getting um any usage at all. Now you could comparatively look at it and say, well, you know, hey, KJ Osborne was playing in front of Jordan Addison, but we're not wanting to roster KJ Osborne. We want to roster Jordan Addison, right? The upside is there and he'll take over as the year goes on. Yeah. Yes. But Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson are two very different players. Very different situation. I don't know. I, Given what has happened, I do want to roster Quentin Johnston because now he has wide receiver three in that offense attached to Justin Herbert, who I truly think is going to have, you know, rival his big career here where he was the QB2 finish. He could rival that. Yeah, I think it's you know, we're on a path for that happening. So you do want to roster him. But I do still prefer Josh Palmer. Head over to my Twitter and look at my it's for the brand, man. Look at my pinned tweet. Um it's a joke. But it did happen, right? Um Josh Palmer was someone who I was on all last season as one of my favorite late run I rostered him literally on a good 70% of my team teams because it was just a fantastic opportunity for him to um be such a you know essentially free at the end of drafts and the upside of him potentially stepping into a role if Keenan Allen or Mike Williams got hurt and he could step in and be QB one or uh, wide receiver one for Justin Fields or <laughs> Justin Herbert. Get my Justin's confused. Wide receiver one for Justin Herbert. And it panned out as a very good strategy because he was very effective um, and had some fantastic weeks and was, he was a strong replacement. So I look at him and I still view him as that guy that can still do that. Quinton Johnston still feels like he needs time to develop. So I, I still lean towards the Josh Palmer side. Um And yeah, you know, tag this or clip this or whatever for the pod father because he'll, you know, tag me as number one employee for (laughs) for for downgrading Quinn Johnson. Let me not let me not make myself laugh on this one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're not, we're not, you know, we're preferring Josh Palmer over Quentin Johnson I'm sticking to it for the brand for the brand okay uh not just not just the player profile brand my brand too right I'm pro pro Josh Palmer all right um but that was the only big one really that was the only major one now we just got guys that we're hoping are coming back waddle with a concussion Christian Watson with his hamstring will that happen I don't know man we just gotta follow and hope it's a Thursday night game cross our fingers um Jonathan Mingo concussion. And I hated that because um, I did call the Andy Dalton surge. Um, Yeah. Cause first of all, it was a good matchup. Just like like, it was a really good matchup Um, and did call that he would come in, light up that, Seattle secondary and the wide receivers would benefit. And I was hoping it was going to be Jonathan Mingo, but he got that concussion, unfortunately, and it didn't work out, but uh, did work out for Adam Phelan. So that was awesome. Um, something to keep in mind in case we are without Bryce Young again this week, because it is another good matchup. We could have Andy Dalton repeat or it's Andy Dalton, you know, just be cautious on that one. I called it this week, but I got to think long and hard about if I'm calling it this week. Last week, yeah. We gotta think about this week. Um Rashad Bateman, hamstring, cut him outside of deep leagues. Like I've got a deep, deep league where he's in. I'll hit I'll hold him there. But he's just <sighs> he's not the wide receiver one, and he's not going to be. It's Zay Flowers. Then you gotta also deal with Mark Andrews. There's no reality in which Bateman, unfortunately. Has a ton of upside. So we're we're moving on from him. Running backs, we've only we've got existing injuries to monitor. So we've got Saquon Barkley and his ankle. You can actually use Matt Breida this week. I know sounds crazy, but um, he saw the vast majority of snaps. Matchup is better. So usable asset this week. David Montgomery Thigh. Obviously, if he doesn't play, um Gibbs' performance was disappointing from a fantasy perspective, but it was good to see that they let him operate as a lead back. It was just a weird game where I feel like defensively they chose to because it wasn't like the receptions went to another back. It didn't go the receptions that were previously going to Gibbs didn't go to Craig Reynolds. They didn't go to Zonovan Knight. So it seems like just strategically, they just decided to just decided to. Not utilize the running backs as pass catchers in this matchup, so it's a little weird. Big game from Sam Laporta, good for him. Shout out. Um, so yeah, if, if Montgomery's out, we can still use Gibbs. Go go back to him. Austin Eckler ankle. Um, again, hopefully, hopefully we can get him back. I don't know. A lot of people are calling that maybe it's going to be one more week or technically two weeks coming up um, that he'll be out. Um, but he made his point obviously because. Joshua Kelly has not showcased well. So I think Austin Eckler kind of made his point on this one. And I think, honestly, that's what he's been doing, making his point and resting up and not coming out and injuring himself um, further, causing any further damage. So he'll come back when he's fully ready and he'll dominate and he's proved his point that he is um, he's worth the money. For, uh, for, <laughs> he's worth the money. Uh, Aaron Jones, hamstring again, kind of same deal. Um, we're hoping that he's coming back at a monitor it. Thursday night game. Uh, if he's back, I will play him. No doubt. Uh, I don't like, like when we're talking about Christian Watson, more than likely, I won't be playing Christian Watson coming off that hamstring injury because wide receivers off of hamstring injuries just make me uncomfortable. Running backs off of hamstring injuries, not as uncomfortable, especially with the fact that AJ Dillon has proven that he is not that dude um so yeah we're even if even bad matchup we'll still roll out aaron jones um if he's out i don't want to roll out aj dylan don't 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 want to do it gus edwards and concussion protocol is the other one um <laughs> it's melvin gordon time yeah uh Ken, Kenyon drake was the one that fumbled and Melvin Gordon was the one that dominated after Gus Edwards went out. So, hey, if you're desperate, throw it up. It's not a great matchup versus Cleveland, whose defense has proven to be um, extremely good. But the receiving upside is there for Melvin Gordon. And if Gus Edwards is out, he would likely operate as the primary back. So, you can go there if you want to. Uh, quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson got to monitor that concussion. Um uh, all the, his absence. I mean, Gardner Minshew filled in fine in terms of the uh, keeping up the fantasy performance for, um, Zach Mossy still did well. Michael Pittman still, you know, solid game targets. Didn't really waver. Still double digit targets. Love Michael Pittman Jr. I know everyone is so like, uh, you know, he's just a guy. I love Michael Pittman Jr. He's, he's given me exactly what I was looking for. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ankle doesn't seem like a big issue. Jer- Derek Carr's shoulder. Um, issue. More than likely we're getting Jameis Winston. So (laughs) we get Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara back in the same game. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun. Um, then Jimmy G concussion, but that really shouldn't affect your view of the Raiders that much, to be honest. All right. Um, I'm just going to list my players of the week because I've gone way too long and we need to talk about the mailbag questions because this is the mailbag show, but I have not done, uh, we did one mailbag question. So to be fair, you know what? I covered one mailbag question in Justin Fields. So, okay. I'll, I'll give myself a break on that one. But um, my players of the week, Tank Dell. Go, little man, go. I'm, I'm so happy for Tank Dell. I talked about him last week. Um, and, you know, the investment that I made in him. And uh, I think it's real people. <laughs> I think it's real. It's real people. Yeah. Um, make sure that you are... I mean, if again, not a waivers thing. But if for some reason... There aren't, there's not a waiver claim on him in your league. There should be. He should be one of the top waiver claims behind, obviously, Devin HN. But, but yeah, Tank Dell, fantastic. I feel like it feels like he's a solid flex at the least moving forward. Um, obviously, Jerome Ford with the um, solid game against Tennessee. That was good to see. Um, he didn't come out late now, I mean, you know, on the ground, wasn't super effective, but you can't be, but he got the fantasy points and was productive. Um, Cleveland got the win. the offense flowed well. So I feel like he earned and shall retain his RB one spot. Good to, good to go. We rolled him out. We will roll him out this week. Um, shout out to the Cardinals, by the way, Joshua Dobbs, Marquise Brown, James Connor. Um, yeah, all looking solid. Good for good for Dobbs. Good for Dobbs coming through with the strong games. Mar- Marquise Brown performing at a much higher level than anticipated. James Conner performing at the level I anticipated. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite players to draft this year. Um, and then last player of the week, Sam Laporta. Have yourself a day, Sam Laporta. I mean, just look, I, I am so frustrated with the lack of shares that I have on Sam Laporta, because it's real, and of all the rookie tight ends, he was the clear one that I thought would have the ability to make a strong impact early on, and we're seeing it, so good for him, good for him. All right, let's move on to the remainder of the mailbag questions on the show. By the way, guys, um, you gotta check out, before we dive into this, you gotta check out the uh, player profiler Tailgate. Before the Thursday night game, it's a fantastic show with Bradley Stalter hosting, and there's no better way to start off the official, you know, first game of the week in Thursday than with that show. It's a fantastic pregame show. Get you ready for the Thursday night matchup. He covers the game, answers your questions, and maybe you're like me. I'm not saying you are, but maybe you're like me. And when it comes to like doing your showdowns, your Thursday showdown DFS, you're waiting to the last minute, you know, you're <laughs> It that's it's the perfect show to get that last minute info to help you yeah, tweak your lineups as well. So just make sure you tune in this Thursday. Don't miss it right before the Thursday night show on the player profile or YouTube channel <clears throat> or for the Thursday night game on the player profile or YouTube channel. All right, let us dive into some mailbag questions to close out the show. Because again, we are the official mailbag show of the Player Profiler Network. Question from at James underscore Bison. What are your top, I should have saved this one for last. Uh, What are your top buy low and sell high players going into week four? My buy low players, I got a ton, Um, but I will do two. Uh, Aaron Jones, we talked earlier about him when he co- we covered the entry. I know that buying an injured player is, doesn't feel fun sometimes. And quite frankly, he might not be back this week. We're optimistic. We don't know for sure. But he is the RB1 of that offense. And what makes me want to lean into Aaron Jones, aside from the fact that he's just so steady as the RB1 in that offense, And he's been one of the more steady producers over the past, I mean, just look at his record over the past several years, more than several years, really. Um, He has been an RB1 for multiple years now in the most steady way possible. Without A.J. Dillon, he was producing at a top three level. Then they added A.J. Dillon in, he was taking the, you know, goal line carries and whatnot. And, you know, that happened and split backfield and Taking some really dumb work, but he still was finishing as a low-end RB1. So he is one one of the safest options, obviously. You know, injuries are, you know, never fun. But in terms of the production that he puts out, what a fantastic, fantastic player, really. And what I think is going to happen and why I'm particularly interested in buying low on him is... AJ Dillon just looks bad in a way that he's never really ever looked incredible, but he looks bad in a way that in a way that makes me feel like some of those goal line touches, those those goal line touches that have tilted so aggressively his way, those may be going back towards Aaron Jones because he's just been wildly ineffective. And we know that Aaron Jones can do it. So I think there might be some more upside in there. I think he could maybe average out for the remainder of the season a little bit higher than we expect. So, and and it's a good, good situation again with this Packers offense. So I, I lean that direction, Aaron Jones, for sure. And then Derek Henry is a buy low candidate for me. I know that people are just in a tizzy over <laughs> a tizzy over, uh, over Derrick Henry. And I fully get it. I understand the frustration and why you were terrified. Um, the production has been awful. Um, Tajay Spears has outsnapped him in two of the three games this season. And it has been concerning but I don't think it's that Derrick Henry has lost a step. I don't think that is the issue here. I think it's that the Titans offense is just flat out awful. And you might be wondering, why would I want to invest in an RB one on a team that is flat out awful? Because the problem is like, it's a bad line. Tannehill is struggling. The defense can't stop anyone. So it puts the team in a terrible position to where they can't focus on the run. But the thing is, is that, I don't think that Tajay Spears is a risk to overtake the role for Derek Henry. I know that it feels like, cause we're getting like Jalen Moore and PTSD with Najee Harris, but that is not the direction that I think this is heading. I think he's just a nice change of pace back and an excellent high end handcuff if something were to happen. But I do think that as the Titans get into more competitive games, um things will improve. And you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait because the next few matchups over the next couple of weeks are concerning. I would not expect, so even, maybe even give it another week. I, I do not expect, like Cincinnati is coming up. I don't expect him to have a strong performance against Cincinnati. Then you have Indianapolis. Indianapolis, um, that will be a competitive game. So at least there's that. But they have been strong against the run. And then they have Baltimore. Uh which really could go either way, uh, but it could get out of hand. Um, It could get out of hand if their defense just can't stop Lamar. But after the Titans bye week things get so much better. So we're still going to go through a rough spot here from a fantasy perspective with Derrick Henry. But things get a lot better. So if you can buy him on the cheap right now and just deal with it, you know, and not rely on him as an RB1. So to acquire him, but don't acquire him as a guy that you want to rely on as an RB1. If you can do that, and if you can wait to utilize him for when things get much better, much, much, much better after the bye week. Derrick Henry's playoff schedule is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. He faces Houston, Seattle, and Houston. Unless you were lining up and saying you're facing Denver, 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 it doesn't get much better than that in terms of a playoff schedule. So so relax right now. Keep your expectations in check, but acquire him, deal with it for a second, and then I really think that the the benefits are going to come through later when they get into those much better matchups. And then some sell highs real quick. Um, Brock Purdy is one that I think you can sell high right now. Provided you're in a decent-sized league and you're rostering him as a QB2 option. He's a fine streaming option. He's got a good floor. He's coming off a strong game. But there's not a ton of upside. And we've got people that are straight panicking over some quarterbacks. Justin Fields we've talked about. Trevor Lawrence is another one people are panicking over. Um, Deshaun Watson turned around and had a good game. But that could easily flip around in a bad matchup. So there are situations where you can take advantage of this panic that people are having around certain quarterbacks and sell Brock Purdy as your QB2 and invest in another position. Won't be a super high sell, but you can get something with a little promise. So that's that's another one. And then my my other one, my running back, sell high. Alexander Madison, I this week was a good performance. I don't buy into it. Um, as a continuation, I don't think it's something that we're going to keep seeing. So if you have somebody that's willing to bite right now coming off that performance, I would bite. Because visually, he didn't really look that good. I don't think there was a big improvement. It was just an excellent matchup. Next question from at follow Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas. Um, And do follow him, by the way, um, on Twitter. Literally, the... <laughs> the ad is follow rob thomas because he's very active he does a lot of fantastic retweets um, specifically for one company that i work for as well uh, so yeah it's it's yeah a lot of good content that will be coming out of there um but his question josh jacobs what's going on and it was with an emoji cuz i asked i pulled the questions from twitter so it was with a big like what's going on um gif So, yeah, what's going on with Josh Jacobs? The Raiders are bad. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Um, But that's not shocking. I mean, it's Josh McDaniels. I don't expect a Josh McDaniels coach team to do well. I didn't think he was turning this around. I don't care who's at quarterback. I don't believe in Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Um, And that's really the issue. But we're staying strong. We are. We talked about it last week, um, so I won't dive into it super deep, but we we stay strong with three down backs. I know it is frustrating. I know it's frustrating, um, and I know I referenced the, the start that he got off to last week, or last year. He had three rough starts before really hitting his stride, so it could happen again. Crossing our fingers, I thought it was going to be this matchup right here that was the one where he really had a nice breakout. Unfortunately, it was not but it could, it could come, it could come. We're, we're, we're standing pat. And, um, and I feel you, um, I don't have any redraft shares, but he is the RB one of my favorite, my favorite dynasty team. And I would just really appreciate it if he just pulled through a little bit more, you know, just a little, I'm not asking like for a ton, just give me a little bit more, but here's the thing. The snaps have been strong. 70 to 80%. He had like 82% this week. He has a very strong opportunity and workload. It just hasn't translated to fantasy production this season. He's even getting good targets. He just can't make anything of it right now. It's just kind of a weird situation where it's not adding up. But again, the matchups get better. The matchups are getting better down the line. And most of he's got a good strength of schedule for running back. Most importantly, though, The matchups get better for Jimmy G or whoever is at quarterback. The third best QB strength of schedule. That benefits Josh Jacobs. The team overall is the issue. The team needs to perform better. The team needs to be stronger. If it is easier for Jimmy G, it will be easier for Josh Jacobs. So that's really the issue here. I know people are concerned the workload from last year and, you know, saying, you know, he's just wasn't going to have a good performance coming off of that. But the opportunity is there for him. The team as a whole is just holding him back. I'm optimistic that while the team won't get massively better, there are better opportunities coming forward. Question from at S Sanders 408, and I like this question a ton. let we'll, we'll talk. We'll dive through it for your reference. So, which it's a trade question. Which trade package um, would you do for CD Lamb? Package one, Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders. Package two, Mike Evans and Joe Mixon. Package three, Jalen Waddell and James Conner. So here's the key for us to really understand, like, the, how to answer this question. So S. Sanders needs help at running back. They've got Pierce, Breida, and Akers. And at receiver, they've got Diggs, Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, and Jordan Addison. so stacked at receiver, right? Absolutely stacked. You can afford to sell one of these players. So selling high on CeeDee Lamb when you have Diggs and Keenan Allen, I think that makes sense. It's gotta be Keenan or it's gotta be Diggs or CeeDee Lamb that you're selling because there's the stigma with Keenan Allen. And I don't I do not attach that stigma to him because I love Mason Keenan Allen and one of my favorite players to draft this year. But the stigma of his age and injury concerns. Coming off of last year in particular, just makes it hard to sell him at the peak value that he is worth. He is, he is worth gold, but no one's going to give it to you. So selling seeding land makes sense. So looking at that package, we're going to nix the first one right off the bat of Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders does not move the needle enough in this trade for what you're getting. Like you're okay. Devonta Smith, you're getting Devonta Smith. Fantastic. But acquiring Miles Sanders, like, I don't really feel like you, I mean, you added somebody and he's coming off a good ish game. But the problem is, is the, he's just not truly being utilized as a three down back. And the offense is terrible. And the performance that he put up in an ideal matchup wasn't, Fantastic. It wasn't what we would genuinely expect out of a best case scenario of performance. So I'm nixing that one right off the bat. Then we're talking Mike Evans and Joe Mixon versus Jalen Waddell and James Conner. Um, and I hate to say this because I by far prefer James Conner to Joe Mixon. I will not acquiesce on that. But uh, If you follow me in any way, shape, or form, and I hope that you do if you're listening, um, y'all know I've had my concerns about Joe Mixon. And I would prefer to roster. If I start on a weekly basis, who do I prefer to start? Who, who do I want on my fantasy team? I prefer James Conner. But that said, the gap between Mixon and James Conner is not so great that I want to miss out on that Mike Evans versus Jalen Waddle. I'd rather have Mike Evans. I don't hate the Waddle Connor combination, but I will do the Mike Evans Joe Mixon con- combination because, again, a lot of the concerns I had around Mixon <clears throat> were efficiency, and he's showing—you know—he's you know good game, but not fantastic still this week. Um, the efficiency has been an issue. But regardless of the efficiency being an issue, it doesn't appear like they're pivoting away from it at all. I don't I thought they might, but I guess none of the backs that are behind him are really inspirational in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so it doesn't matter apparently how inefficient Mixon is. They're just gonna keep rolling him out. So at the very least, again, you know, similar to the Josh Jacobs situation, we're talking about a safe three-down back. The workload is his. The snap count is his. He's got the receiving upside. So he's got everything that you want. Even though I prefer James Conner, Mixon is very stable. So if I could get Mixon, if I could trade CeeDee Lamb, get Mike Evans as compensation and get Mixon as my RB1 when I've got this ragtag group of our running backs, I think that is the way to go. That running back room is looking a lot better with Joe Mixon as your RB1. And Damian Pierce is your RB2. And you still got Mike Evans. And here's the thing. You can still flip Mike Evans. This week might be a little concerning. (laughs) But I think Mike Evans is still going to be Mike Evans throughout the entire season. You can flip him at some point, too, and still get another running back. So there's, the yeah, Evans is more flippable, in my opinion. So I, I lean that direction. All right, next question. Next question from at... EFN57. Why was Prince so prolific? I made mean, 8,000 plus songs in the vault. Really? So guys, when you submit your mailbag questions, feel free to submit like whatever. <laughs> Is this my show. I don't <laughs> I don't have any restrictions if we want to talk. Anything that is not football-related, we can talk non-football-related stuff if you want to with it. Like, it can be. It can be AMA, Ask Me Anything. It doesn't have to be, like, exclusive start-sits-and-trades. Um, but to answer the question, so thank you for submitting this. I like fun questions. Um, answer the question, it's the vibe, right? He was so prolific because of the vibe. It was so different. So bold. Ah, uh, Yeah. I mean, just the presence that he had, the way he stood out among everybody else in the industry, that's why he was so prolific. I mean, the songs obviously were fantastic, but when you put the whole vibe with it, when you've got a vibe so strong that Dave Chappelle, years later, is making sketch comedy skits about you, you, you are that dude. So (laughs) that is... That is it. It is me. It is the vibe. I used to love those Dave Chappelle comedy skits with Prince and Charlie Murphy. Those were so funny. Um, all right. Next question. Um, this is our last question. From at a line-eye parent, half b b r really hurting at running back with Barkley out, Hall ineffective, uh, Joshua Kelly. This is a long show. I'm sorry. I ran so long. Uh, Joshua Kelly cost me two games, picked up Swift, and can get Zeke. I have Brown, Metcalf, Flowers, Pickens at wide receiver. Would you trade Michael Thomas for Madison? So looking at the running backs real quick. Well, so first of all, actually right off the bat, Michael Thomas for Madison is a fair trade. That's a fair trade. But I would not do it because I don't think that it's going to move the needle for you in the way that you want it to. So... Barkley and Hall have left you out in the cold and they have cost you dramatically. Good news is you pick up Swift. And I think that he can retain that RB one role moving forward. I mean, and he's looked fantastic. So as long as he's healthy, I think that he will thrive behind that Philadelphia offensive line. And the thing about Brees Hall is, is that the upcoming schedule is really good. Um, the team is not good. But the upcoming schedule is really good for running backs, so it's, it's kind of interesting. But the problem is, is that Saquon's upcoming schedule, it's not so good. He's got one of the most difficult schedules for a running back to face. Like, quite frankly, the Giants have an extremely difficult schedule, and they might just continue to struggle. So I do get wanting to invest in another running back, like just in case. Especially because I, you know, even though you can get Zeke. That's not going to do anything really for you. But again, the Michael Thomas for Madison, it just doesn't do much for me. And I don't think it does much for you. What I think you can do is that if you want to, I mean, you're solid at wide receiver with Brown, Metcalf, and Flowers. If you want to keep Michael Thomas for your bench and sell George Pickens and really upgrade at running back, I think you could do that. And then maybe turn around and flip uh, Swift or Brees Hall if you want to for a big upgrade at wide receiver. I think Pickens is the one that you can capitalize on right now because sentiment around him is very positive. People trust him. He doesn't have that negative stigma that Michael Thomas has around him. You can get somebody a lot better at running back for George Pickens. So that's the one that I would shop out there and get something better. Because I just don't see a ton of upside for Alexander Madison. I don't I don't trust it, unfortunately. The stat line, again, was fine from last week. But visually, I just don't – It's. I can't get there with him. I don't see a ton of upside. That's not even a Cam Akers thing. It's just a Alexander Madison thing. All right. That is it. That wraps up the Mailbag Show. Again, if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. Tag me. Um, I will – respond and, um, do my best to respond. And I will also, um, if you want me to, uh, do the questions on here, let me know. Always up for a good mailbag. If you are listening to this podcast on the podcast version, please subscribe. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, drop me a comment and make sure that you are subscribed to player profilers, YouTube channel as well. And that wraps things up. That is it. That is it for our show. We will be back again next week. Good luck with your fantasy lineups this week. I hope you all win. Unless you are listening and you're in the league with me, then I hope you lose. Sorry. Hope you lose to me. Other than that, I hope you thrive. All right, guys. I will catch you later next week.